We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer for Rotowire, James Anderson. Uh, James, we're going to be focusing primarily on the draft today, 2015 first-year player draft in the books. Uh, not a not a stacked class, but some interesting guys. You ranked top 10 prospects for fantasy uh, from the draft, and we'll get into that. Uh, but first, you know, I want to express my condolences uh, to the, the Runnels family. Uh, the, the wrestling world lost a true grade in, in uh, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, today. Uh, going to be grading out. Uh, the rot, the model Rick Martell later, but I just want to, you know, say that Dusty was the 80 grade stick man, like the best of all time, son of a plumber, uh, great lisp as well. I mean, just, he lived he lived pretty old f- by wrestling standards. Yeah. Oh, very true. And you know, he also, you know, once the in ring career was over, had you know a lot of pull behind the scenes. He was a booker for WCW for a while. Good, good play by play guy. Uh, definitely going to be missed, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. And uh, also, before we get to the draft, I want to just touch on Vincent Velasquez. You kind of called uh, several episodes ago, several weeks ago, as, as being a guy who was you know, kind of one of the next top arms in line for a promotion. 
came up yesterday, five scoreless innings in his debut against the White Sox in Chicago. Three hits allowed, four walks, but five Ks. Uh, pretty high expectations moving forward. Yeah, he'll he'll obviously have some bumps along the way. I mean, we've we've seen Noah Syndergaard have bumps. I mean, everybody kind of goes through some growing pains when they they first get up to the show, except for Eduardo Rodriguez apparently. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I I like Velasquez more than I like McCullers the rest of the way. I like Velasquez more than Mark Appel as a as a prospect just overall. I mean, I think he's he's a guy that's probably going to pitch like a number three starter uh, maybe the rest of the way this year and and certainly next year and one of those guys who is probably better in fantasy than in real life just because I think mm-hmm. he's going to be such a, a quality bat misser. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, I assume he's taken most places. I mean, he's got in all my leagues. Uh, but if he's out there, definitely someone worth grabbing right now. Pretty similar stat line to Chichi Gonzalez's debut. Would you have Valens- Velasquez maybe ahead of Chichi but behind Rodriguez rest of season? The only guys I would have ahead of Velasquez in terms of pitching prospects are, or the only guys I'd have ahead of him, are, yeah, are uh, Syndergaard and Rodriguez. I would, I would definitely take him over Chichi. Uh, just think the the ability to miss bats is is greater with Velasquez. Uh, better, better ball or better ball club behind him. I think long term, I think the Astros win more games games than the Rangers the rest of the way. Getting out ahead of the bunch and grabbing these guys, you know, before they yeah, come like, up, that's, is that's big. That's kind of like the only way you can do it now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like yeah. there, it used to be like five years ago or so, you could be the first one to grab them once they got the call. But mm-hmm. now you kind of have to be grabbing them before they get the call, otherwise they're already gone. Uh, one guy who I, I actually think is probably the next guy up in terms of top one hundred prospects who are going to just jump right into a rotation is is Matt Whistler with the Braves. I, I really think you kind of look at what he's been doing lately. He's just been dominating AAA. Uh, you know, their their fifth starter spot's kind of shaky. I mean, I, I I don't think – I think he'd be an upgrade over Fulton Evich as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know Manny Banuelos has been good as well, but Whistler to me is the guy that they would be uh, ready to call a little, a little ahead of Banuelos. That's interesting because, you know, with Miguel Gonzalez of the Orioles landing on the DL today – a lot of people, you know, probably having Kevin Gaussman as the next in line to come up. Not technically a prospect anymore. Of course, uh, made 20 starts last season for for Baltimore. But do you? And he's got that shoulder injury right now. But do you think he will be eventually come up com- yeah. coming up to to fill that rotation spot? Yeah, I think I think Gaussman will be up before the All Star break. Uh, mm. Tough thing with him as opposed to Whistler is that Gaussman's owned in most leagues that are, or, you know, at least most leagues I'm in, he's owned. Uh, if if you're in a shallower league and Gaussman's out there, I think you gotta go grab him. But Whistler, I think, is pretty widely unowned right now, mm-hmm. and and that's gonna change here in a in a week or two, I would say. Um, you know, Luis Severino's another guy who could be up soon. Daniel Norris will probably come back up pretty soon. Uh, Sean Nolan with the A's will be up fairly soon. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's guys out there, but Whistler to me is the best combination of proximity, and he's got a he's got a good uh, you know he's great command um not gonna not gonna wow you necessarily with the strikeouts he's kind of like chi chi but you know pitching for the braves in that ballpark in the nl i think I, i'd actually like him a bit more than chi chi if he got called up offensively carlos correa got the call earlier the week in the week exciting young player had that his first career homer as well uh 
using him in daily just at all times until that price comes up. But uh, another guy, Eugenio Suarez for the Reds, he got the call today. Another guy who's not a prospect. Uh, you're <laughs> laughing, and I understand why. Just wanted to throw it out there. I mean, he did have eight homers with Louisville before getting called up. And, you know, we've seen with a guy like Ivan de Jesus come up and hit a couple homers in his first three games. Uh, just a nice hitting environment. And Zach Cozart ruled out for the season, going to be facing a nine-month uh, recovery from that knee injury. So, uh, you know. Suarez is actually probably an overall upgrade over Cozart, you know. Probably. I, I, probably. I don't know. Well, Cozart I mean, was great this year, but terrible the, last year. Right. Like, <clears throat> before the season, if you had mm-hmm. said, who would you rather be your starting shortstop? Yeah. I think a lot I was of, adamant yeah. that I wanted Suarez. <laughs> um, uh, and even, like, the rest of the way. I mean, I don't know how much I was buying – uh, all of what Cozart was doing. But, yeah, Suarez, uh, no slouch with the glove either. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like that call-up uh, a decent amount. I, I don't I don't see him being, like, a top-10 shortstop the rest of the way or anything like that, though. Yeah, I mean, either. But middle infield, yep, so shallow yep. that, you know, is, is the kind of guy but that he'll get can... He'll get scooped up in our stake mm-hmm. league this week. Yeah, I might have to, to make a play <laughs> because I think I was still starting Jonathan VR, which – uh, pure desperation in that. Oh, yeah, sixteen teamer. But I'm, I'm <laughs> out of the cellar now. I mean, I had some tough breaks, but also we'll get down there. Second year. I, in I, I still think that I still think that we could end the year tied for last in in stake league. That'd be pretty legendary. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was disappointing because we both coming into that auction were like, you know, this is priority one for me. I don't want to be buying somebody else's stake at the end. of We the year. tried too hard. You know, yeah, I think exactly. you gotta you gotta, sh- you gotta show a little bit of a little bit of slack in a draft room. I mean, we were a little tight, we were a little tense. Yeah, I said wanted I wanted it a little too much. Yeah, I wanted it too much. A little <laughs> looking ahead too far. I said I wanted to be, you know, Ghostface Kill's supreme clientele throughout the album, but I was more, you know, kind of a Were you like more fish? Maybe. Is that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good call. I was gonna say like Mace's follow up. What was? Uh, oh, uh, double up. Double up. <laughs> you were like, I want to double up on buying. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, we'll jump into your latest farm futures piece. Check it out on the site. If you don't have a Rotowire subscription, you get ten days free on us. No strings attached. No credit card required. Going to rotowire.com/pod. Rotowire.com/pod. Now. Ranked again, top ten prospects from the draft in terms of fantasy, you know, potential fantasy upside. I thought it was interesting that you know the second overall pick, Alex Bregman, ended up checking in at number ten on your list here. What is it? Do you just not see, just see a, a ton of upside? Is it more about the the floor with this guy? He's so hard to rank. Mm-hmm. I and I should I should say like, you know, it's it's my job at the site to to rank these guys and to you know evaluate them but i mean it's so it's so much kind of uh personal preference just based on like scouting reports and limited video that we've we've got i mean we don't have uh extremely reliable stats to to kind of trust with with our evaluation of these guys and we haven't seen them in in pro ball yet so um you know i I don't want to act like i'm a a full-blown expert on alex bregman but just just the profile seems like a guy who I would just I would doubt he ever gets treated like a top 100 player in fantasy. You know, I I wouldn't expect for him to really ever crack like a, a top 10 um, prospect. You know, you know, mm. you know, he might he'll probably be in the top 100 like, uh, you know, for probably a calendar year before he eventually gets called up. But he's not going to push for like that top 20, top 15, top 10 range. I don't think just because, uh, you know, and I kind of said it to you the other day, like. Where would you rank, you know, if you had a prospect who you knew 
two years from now was going to basically be what Joe Panic is right now, mm-hmm. and that's like the good version of Joe Panic, which I believe is fairly legit. Where would you rank that guy in a, in a top two hundred? Because obviously he's owned in all leagues, yeah. but he's not a guy that you are relying on. I mean, he's just a guy that that's giving you solid production at a, at a tough position, but not he's not winning you the league really. I mean, he might win you the league in the sense that you you paid a buck for him in the auction, mm-hmm. but um, I just it's. The guys I have ranked ahead of Bregman actually have the chance to be, you know, top 10 overall prospects or top 100 overall players, whereas I think, you know, Bregman would basically have to hit, like, 310 every single year, I feel, for him to be that kind of player. I think I said 125 or so, if I had to say. And, you know, it's definitely, you know, value to be had there. I mean, Panic's been very good this year, and I think that's a reasonable comp. So power has been surprising with panic so far this year, but I'm with you. It's I think it's somewhat and sustainable for him. I, I compared Bregman to the last uh, the last guy with his sort of skill set, who I remember going number two overall, and that was Dustin Ackley back in in 2009. And you know the big selling point on him was well, you know he's going to stick up the middle. Second base was Ackley's position. There's kind of some. Uh, disagreement as to whether Bregman sticks it short or moves to second but either way an up the middle guy with you know the hit tool being the lead thing where you're not going to get too much power you're not going to get too much speed that's basically the exact uh, profile of, of Dustin Ackley and a lot of his failings have been because of the Mariners organization but I just don't I don't know if I love uh, taking a guy with that profile with a second overall pick granted Ackley's draft was much better than Bregman's so it was a worse pick uh, by the Mariners, and I think this one will turn out to be. But you just the guy being the number two overall pick, there's a lot more to the story than that from a fantasy perspective. The swing, you know, looks kind of odd. I mean, it's not a picture perfect type of swing, but he has a very advanced eye at the plate. So uh, for his age, especially 87 to 67, uh, walk decay with LSU, and you know he was previously drafted in the 29th round, but he would have gone a lot higher if he hadn't you know made his intention to t- attend LSU. Uh, well-known. He was regarded as one of the top prep hitters uh, in the 2012 draft. How would you grade the power, though, with Bregman? Is that you know below average, below 50, would you say? I would say, you know, 45, um, mm-hmm. 40, like maybe present, present 40, present 35, with the potential to get to 45. And best-case scenario, maybe it gets to 50. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. you're still looking at like 10, 12, 15 homers at that point. Yeah, and I think we both in agreement. Second base, ultimately, his landing spot with again Correa coming up and looking like he's going to be locked in as a you know top shortstop for several years to come. Uh, number nine on your list, Andrew Benintendi, outfielder drafted seventh overall by the Red Sox out of Arkansas. Just twenty years old. You have him pegged as a, a high risk type of guy, but I mean that's with the case with a lot of prospects. You know, it, it's it's kind of. A lot of guys are high risk. It's it's finding the guys who are uh, really safe in in dynasty leagues that can really you know pay off. Now, Benintendi, unlike Bregman, really kind of does have that that pretty swing that you look for. Uh, hits from the the left side. This this is a situation where you know he's pretty young, but even several years down the road, you know it, it may be hard for him. At least in my opinion, you know there may not be just a, a super clear path. I mean they have so many young guys coming up. But but you're pretty optimistic here. Where do you see him checking in in your updated top 200 when you when you start putting these guys in? Uh, outside the top 100, but inside the top 150, I, I put down in the 110 to 130 range here. Uh, obviously, that's 
Um, you know, the, I'm not going to update the top 200 until mid July. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that could obviously change a little bit. Um, Ben Intendi to me, like you, you said, he's got a, uh, a sweet swing and I, I like it a lot in the cage. I've seen some tape though of him in games where he's just kind of like lunging, um, making contact mind you. Um, but you know, still kind of off balance, you know, his knees really close to the ground, uh, basically pulls everything from what I've seen. And I think it's going to be a slower developmental process for him (laughs) than you might expect with a college bat. I think it's going to be, you know, three, maybe even four years in the, in the minors for him before he starts knocking on the door. So you think maybe, you know, full season assignment pushback until next year, probably head to rookie ball for the rest of this season. Yeah. I mean, maybe he gets a taste of short season, uh, but I, I think he'll, you know, next year he might spend the entire year at low A, and then next, then the year after that, the entire year at high A. You know, et cetera. I don't, I don't see him necessarily forcing the issue uh, right away. Stacked system too with Red, the Boston Red right. Sox, Yon Mankata, uh Margot Devers, Henry Owens. I don't want to, yeah, and I don't want to like put too much of that on Benintendi, but the fact remains: like, when do you expect it? to be easy to break into the reds yeah. or the red Sox uh, outfield i mean it's well, so it's the reds would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they can call him up tomorrow how would you <laughs> compare him to like nick longy who's you know at low a right now do you think they're kind of uh almost pretty kind of similar or are there differences between these two guys uh well yeah ben and older than longy mm-hmm. um but i yeah, i mean i like i like longy more as a prospect i believe in the power a bit more uh mm-hmm. ben and got got better wheels but yeah, I mean they're they're kind of right around the. I mean you you might you might even see those guys playing in the same outfield at some point in the minor leagues, uh, depending on how quickly each of them are moving. But yeah, very very similar guys. Uh, Benintendi has the potential to play center, which Longy doesn't really have, so that that might be a, a separator there in terms of versatility. But very very similar in terms of prospect pedigree. Garrett Whitley at number eight, drafted thirteenth overall by the Rays. A guy who, you know, we were just talking the other day, a guy, this is a pick that you, you liked quite a bit. Uh, you you kind of have him pegged, you know, potential four-tool uh, type of guy. Just 18 years old, another player who, you know, you know, a ways off, you know, maybe may uh, slow coming up through the system. But, yeah, this is a, one where I think the, the Rays, I'm with you, may have gotten a bit of a steal here, even at 13 overall. What are the standout tools with, with Garrett Whitley? Uh hit tool and and speed are both uh borderline or i mean you know both project to be plus i would say right now uh the power could get there though too i mean just just 18 years old uh one of those guys you know from high from went to high school in new york so cold weather guys you know there's there's the potential for them to have you know maybe more upside because they haven't gotten uh, the same amount of reps as some other guys, but there's also the the risk involved with the fact that they probably haven't faced the same level of competition. So, uh, I you know I really like Whitley quite a bit. Like he's 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 on the short list of guys who I could see being the best fantasy uh, prospect out of this draft class. Mm-hmm. Like I mean he's I wouldn't take him over like guys like Brendan Rodgers, but. He's st- certainly got the uh, the tools and the potential to do that, especially just with the fact that he's 18 now. You know, the Rays haven't had a ton of luck with 
uh, developing hitting prospects of late, but I think that they, you know, the fact that they were able to get him at 13 in a draft class that's this week, you know, I, I would have taken Whitley personally over over any of the arms that went hmm. ahead of him. Um, that's interesting. Just because I, I think the risk is similar, like in terms of them making it, and the risk once they do make it is much less with the hitter than it is with the pitcher. Yeah, I'm with you. And he's got a well, from what I've seen, you know, the, again, I haven't seen a ton on this guy. A lot of these guys in this draft personally but what i've seen scouting reports good good approach too so a really a really nice overall package for the rays i'm with you i you know you have him as you know a potential 110 to 130 uh debut in the top 200 i could see that but uh you know i could see heading into next year him being inside that top two uh top 100 potentially well inside that number seven daz cameron outfielder taken by the astros I think on MLB.com's overall, you know, pre-draft rankings, he was number six, maybe top ten, definitely, but fell to 37th overall, largely due to the, the question as far as signability he had uh, and asking price. He, you know, not technically uh, having Scott Boris as his agent because you know he's you know young like this and that would affect his. Uh, ability to go to Florida State, but it, you know he was advised by him, and I think that affiliation had a lot to do with him falling this far. Uh, steal by by the Astros, as far as I'm concerned, if they are indeed able to sign him away. But uh, what it, you know, of course, son of Mike Cameron. But do you think he has the potential to have a, as long and perhaps a better career than his father? You know, that's I'd be asking quite a bit. Uh, his dad was was really good for for quite a long time you know defensively best center fielder in the game for for a while uh be be a tall task to to replicate that but you know potential five five tool guy uh power's not quite there yet but you you project it to probably get there given his athleticism um i don't know i he's a tough guy for me to kind of rank because i i could honestly see it taking him a while i mean 18 years old i mean uh, all these 18 year old guys i mean it's so hard to project i mean we've seen guys like clint frazier like like for instance clint frazier i liked more than any single prospect in this draft like when he was drafted like i liked him more than i like any of these guys right now and he's a guy that's struggling in low a right now um or no in, in high a right now and you know alex jackson a guy who i probably liked more than all these guys do is back at rookie ball so it's so hard for for 18 year olds sometimes to kind of get get off running in in the in the professional uh, system so uh, yeah i mean cameron's got a lot to offer i think he'll probably go before the seventh pick in, in dynasty drafts in terms of this class just because of the name and mm-hmm. uh, the hype surrounding it but yeah i mean e- easy top 10 guy long ways off but potential to have above average to plus tools across the board excited to see what he brings to the table and i think he was the biggest surprise in terms of fallers, I think, for me. One of the bigger reaches, a guy who didn't make your top ten list here, the Marlins pick Josh Naylor. Now, this is, I mean, we've seen the, some of the video, pretty amazing raw power, but what, what do you think of him? I mean, the the size is pretty incredible. Do you think, you know, he's, do you have concerns with his, with his weight and the, the overall size with him? Yeah, I, I did a just miss thing at the bottom of the article um and he was he would have ranked 13th if i had if i had kept going but uh yeah the the weight issues the body issues are are kind of a concern especially given the fact that he's just 18 
he has the most power of anyone I think taken in the first round. Um, but that's not everything. I mean, we see guys with tons of power that just you know can't can't make enough contact or you know the fact that the the bar is going to be so high for him to clear in terms of his hitting like he's going to have to get on base at well above a 300 clip to be able to I think he's probably just going to be a <laughs> it's funny the Marlins took him because they they can't play him at uh, DH mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's going to be a below average defender at first I would imagine uh so yeah I mean it's it's just going to be so hard for him to to hit enough I think for that power to be able to play 225 pounds at, at age 18 and that's that's know. not accurate he's actually <laughs> he's actually not even 18 yet he's he's still only 17 but uh just six foot too i mean it, it wouldn't yeah. be as as big of an issue if he was i've seen tall. i've seen tape he's more than 225 <laughs> that is uh generous there that that listing but yeah it's 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 sweet to see him you know launch balls from the left side at, at his age but I'm with you. I think that was, you know, it was definitely a reach when you picked him and you couldn't end up biting him. Maybe I, I almost don't think there is a reach though in this draft. Like guess, once yeah. you get past the the three shortstops at the top there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Dylan Tate at 4. I mean, like gosh, so much upside, so much yeah. risk though. I mean, like that if if a guy like that's going number 4, then it's almost just like, you know, take take whoever you like. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. there's no real reaching at that point. A guy who didn't make your just miss list, who I, I, I actually like quite a bit, is James Caprillion, the Yankees pick. It's number sixteen overall. Uh, you know, I think he's, you know, among the guys taken in this draft, especially the arms, one of the safer bets. But uh, you don't feel the same way. Well, Why is no, it, I, it's not that. I just I didn't want to list like twenty guys there, and the, the yeah. just missed. I just picked some of my, my favorite guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, he's fine. I mean, he's he's probably a top 20, top 25 Dynasty League prospect. Uh, like you said, fairly safe profile. But I just, in terms of listing the the arms, I went for, for upside, in my opinion, mm-hmm. for, for just the, the just miss part. 6'4", 200-pound right-hander. I think Caprillion, uh, really, you know, kind of safe bet to be a mid-to-back-end mid type of starter for the Yankees in time. Uh, maybe not a ton of maybe not the you know, elite upside that you look for, but I think he's, you know, a guy to target if you're in dynasty format. So uh, we'll move on here. Uh, let's jump to number six on your list, Cornelius Randolph, tenth uh, overall by the pick by the Phillies, 18 years old as well. Here you have him, you know, projected to land between 85 and 100 overall. It was a shortstop in high school, but probably going to move off that position right now. Uh, the the bat speed is plus. Uh, I'd agree on that that front. But what are the other uh, tools here that that you like quite a bit with Randolph? I just I think there's a ton of power projection. Like he's he's not up there with Naylor right now, but I think you fast forward three or four years and you might it might be more realistic to to picture Randolph hitting thirty plus homers in the big leagues than it would be Naylor. Uh, you know his swing plane probably needs to get adjusted a little bit. It's it's kind of line drive pop right now, but. Really, just looks looks the part to me. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot to work with there. If you're, you know, if your organization's got good uh, development staff, I think that he he could really kind of take off. And you got to like the Phillies' recent track record with first round picks: Aaron Nola, J.P. Crawford. I mean, you redo those two drafts, and those two guys probably go in the top three. So, uh, you know, I I think that they've done a good job scouting lately, and. 
Randolph at 10 seems like a pretty good bargain. I, I have no idea where he's going to play. Like People have mm-hmm. been talking about the outfield. I'd, I'd been seeing third base. Uh, everyone basically agrees he won't play shortstop, um, but I think he's got the arm for third. He's got the arm for a corner. Uh, someone commented on this article that they, they heard he's going to play center field. I don't know if he's got the speed for that, but uh, really I don't think it matters, though. I think he's he's going to hit enough for, for it to play anywhere. Potential plus plus power tool, would you say, or just? Uh, plus? I think sixty grade. I think it, it probably gets to sixty. Nice. So well, we'll jump to number five here. Trent Clark of the Brewers, fifteenth overall pick. Now I could say pull the homer card on you here, but I, I see the upside as well. Uh, what do you like specifically here with with Trent Clark? Uh, well, I was I was surprised he fell this far in the draft, and I think uh, Doug Melvin was too when he. You know, you could hear him getting interviewed about the pick, and he was just, you know, smiling as much as Doug Melvin is capable of smiling. Um, I know the Yankees were going to pop him at 16 if he hadn't gone at 15. So uh, he was someone that could have gone in the top 10. I mean, I, I think the the comp I've come up with for now is is you know Michael Brantley esque hmm. kind of skill set where I don't, I don't see him hitting for more than like 20 or so homers. I don't see him stealing more than 20 or so bases, but uh, the hit tool is kind of where it's at with him. I think it's you know potential three hundred hitter here. Yeah, he's got a nice you know short stroke there, and you couple that with with the others you know assets he brings to the table, power, some speed. Uh, pretty pretty nice package there. I'm with you. You know, I I was I was kidding really about the the homer card, but I think you know with with, uh, with him compared to a guy who didn't make the list like dude, I Tyler want, Stevens. I wanted Steven. I when I set out to write the piece like i planned on stevenson making the list and he just he just didn't i well i was like well am i really gonna put stevenson ahead of bragman like Mm -hmm. i i maybe could have you know benintendi bragman stevenson like that i would be fine you know you know switching that around Mm -hmm. but like yeah i mean we can talk about stevenson really quickly i mean he's he's got crazy power uh power potential at least uh behind the plate and you know one of the really one of the big dings against him for me was just how slow i feel he's going to move mm-hmm. uh, with him being a catching prospect and all that but yeah i mean if we're just saying like let's skip ahead say six years like where do you see these guys being ranked like he would easily be in the top 10 there was some talk about him potentially being an option at number one for the diamondbacks you know, and I was a bit surprised. I was happy, but a bit surprised to see him fall to the Reds. I think, you know, a lot of people thought he'd go higher just based off the scarcity of that position in the draft. And there's well, just, the, the there's MLB, a really thin crop. The MLB Network crew didn't think he'd go higher. They were no <laughs> someone. I forget who it was on there, but someone was like saying, "Oh, people always reaching for catchers." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Elite bat flip game too with that guy. Oh, that's I, good. I'm excited to see him, and uh, you know, I'm not not optimistic about. You know, a guy like Devin Mesoraco remaining by behind the plate. I mean, not going to be behind the plate the rest of this year, but plus by the time Stevenson's ready, he could be a free agent or, or traded or something like that. Number four on the list, Kyle Tucker, fifth overall, uh, brother of, of Preston Tucker, but uh, consensus seems to be significantly higher upside, better prospect than his brother by a pretty fair margin. Uh, what, what's the upside here? I mean, I, I was a bit surprised to see him go this high, but – uh, do you think he has the 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 tools to to really be an impact guy, maybe a, a top fifty to a hundred uh, overall player once he's up in terms of fantasy? Yeah, I I think that 
you know, he went fifth, Bregman went two, but that's kind of all to do with what position they play. I think if, if you just ask the Astros, like, hitting-wise, like, how do you rank these two guys, I think that Tucker would have clearly been ahead of Bregman. Uh, he's going to be a ways away. I mean, he's, he's 18. He's, he's a young 18, if I'm not mistaken, and – uh, you know, he, his swing gets comps to Ted Williams, which is which is kind of absurd. But mm-hmm. uh, you kind of get it when they do the the still like uh, side by side of them both. It is it is kind of similar. I don't necessarily know if that means if that's necessarily a good thing because I think there's a there's a high degree of difficulty to to swing like Ted Williams and and be successful. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's a guy that could be plus in terms of power and plus in terms of his hit tool, which is which is nice. Yeah, I think the the average will be nice at the at the major league level, assuming he continues to develop as expected. Big kid, six foot four, one hundred seventy five pounds. Uh, probably gonna have to move off of center field, but that's you know not not. The Astros uh, have a billion uh, yeah. outfielders coming, <laughs> which is it's a nice nice problem to have. Yeah, I think they did really well in this draft, and couple that with the success they're having right now, uh, this could be a powerhouse for several years to come. Now, number three on your list, Ian Happ, drafted ninth overall by the by the uh, Cubs here out of Cincinnati, age twenty. You have the risk level pretty low, and you know as the, the top non-shortstop uh, on the board here, as far as you know, long-term fantasy value. As as a guy like this, you know, I I think at number nine overall, the the Cubs got a bit of a steal here. Here, but you think you know the the speed. Uh, will be enough to to make a big impact in the on the base pass, or not, do you see him? Not really, no. but I mean, like he's he's here because I think he has the best hit tool of anyone in the draft, mm. and he's a college bat. So you combine those two things, and you have a guy that's probably going to move pretty fast. Uh, I think he probably, you know, him Bregman, Dansby Swanson. It's going to be close, but I I would say Haps got as good a chance as those two guys of of getting to the big leagues first. Uh, obviously kind of a, a loaded roster up there in Chicago too, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that's kind of versatile, could play second, could play left field. Um, you know, the, the home runs and the steals are just going to be probably in the, they're going to be double digits a piece, I would say, but probably not, not much more than 20, uh, in either category. But, you know, like I said, the hit tool could get to, you know, 65, uh, like that's how good of a hitter he is. Cubs kind of strike gold again here. I mean, they the third year in a row where they've taken a, a college bat in the first round, and it, it can't really doubt their their track record there. And you pointed to the proximity here with, with a guy like Hap, uh, again a, a college bat. But how close exactly do you think he is? Do you think maybe you know uh, September of next year or, or twenty seventeen potentially? Uh well, um, you know, I mean, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. shoot he's gonna get called up before the season's done so i would say you know kind of playing it safe i would say the um maybe summer or or, or, or late spring of 2017 perhaps but it's kind of up to those guys right i mean the mm-hmm. cubs don't draft them and expect them to be up there you know the next year but when you're when you hit like those guys have hit then you kind of force the issue so uh i would say sometime in 2017 perhaps but they I mean, he could easily force the issue just the way Kyle Schwarber has. One and two on your list. Exactly, you know, how the the draft played out in terms of uh, shortstops. Well, at least prep shortstops go. You had uh, 
uh, I'm sorry. Well, Dansby Swanson was was Vanderbilt, but you had Swanson number one uh, for p- potential fantasy value. Then Rogers two. What's what's the difference here between these guys? Uh, as you know, I, I both have great tools, but uh, what made you put Swanson ahead of them? Uh, proximity and risk, which is kind of the same thing, I guess. But yeah. you know, Rogers. If if they were both college shortstops, I would take Rogers, but. Swanson could probably be in the big leagues late next year. Uh, you know, one of the things that everyone kind of raves about him is his makeup. And, you know, you might kind of push that aside from a fancy perspective, but I think it's important from a developmental perspective. Like, I don't, I don't see him uh, struggling to make adjustments. I don't see him struggling to put in the time and the effort uh, as a pro to, to get better and, and do what he has to do to, you know, whatever his coaches are, are asking of him, I think he'll, he'll do that. And then some, so, you know, I think he moves pretty fast. I don't, I don't really see any weaknesses in terms of his offensive skill set, uh, the speed, the power, the, the batting average should all be quite helpful in, in Roto leagues. And Brendan's Brendan Rogers is pretty awesome too, but he's going to be, you know, like we said, these these eighteen year old high school bats, like how many of them move that fast? Mm-hmm. Like Carlos Correa is basically the best possible example, and he's up three exact calendar years later. Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> if he's the next Carlos Correa, maybe he could be up in three years, but he could be the next, you know, whoever. Like, um, you know, Javi Baez is is still in the minor leagues, and you know, list goes on and on of, of guys that have taken four or five years to get the big league. So by the time Rogers debuts, Swanson could have already been up for three years. So that's that's kind of the difference. Uh, the landing spot pretty big for Rogers in my opinion, especially given the power. I think uh, he'll make for a nice option. And Swanson, you have you know projected twenty to thirty overall top two hundred debut. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm assuming you would take him over a guy like Jorge Mateo, who you have at number thirty one overall. Yeah, because. Yeah. Because Swanson's going to get there, you know, a couple of years before Mateo probably. Really? And yeah. uh, the, the power's going to be better in Mateo. Mateo's a specialist. You know, you hope that he hits for a high batting average like he has in the minor leagues, but probably more realistically a, a 260, 270 hitter. But the, the speed potential is there for, you know, 50, 60 steals in a season. Looking at the non-shortstops uh, in that range you have here, I uh, don't want to put you on the spot too much, but ahead of Billy McKinney, do you think? For for Swanson? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That'd be close. I, I, I guess I'd go Swanson, but that's, I mean, that's right, right around where he, where he would be. Nice. Again, check, check out James's latest farm futures piece on the site and be f- uh, sure to you know, send us any feedback uh, on Twitter. James is at real J.R. Anderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Let us know what, what you think of the podcast, rate and review. Uh, I'd love to get uh, the feedback from you guys. And that'll do it for the prospect portion of the show. We are going to grade out, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Rick the Model Martell, based on the five tools we have established uh, for pro wrestlers. 20 to 80 scale, look, entrance, signature move, command of the crowd, and ring presence. The Model's a guy who really had a, had a nice run there after uh, dumping Tito Santana. Uh, as far as you know, getting out of that tag team had a pretty nice singles run, but uh, I also remember his blindfold match against Jake the Snake Roberts. Well, that was like one of the all-time worst like, matches. Like that was an all-timer in terms of the the you know the the backstory on that is that he got 
his cologne in Jake's eye <laughs> yeah. and like blinded him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> arrogance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like arrogance is it's like gasoline or just <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it's just or something pure like that. Like, toxic. Uh, meanwhile, like he gets it on him himself in every single video shoot that he was doing so mm-hmm. like yeah i mean that was kind of an all-timer and he was trying to spray it on jake's snake yeah and then jake's head got in the way <laughs> yeah that's that was a ridiculous storyline not a good match but uh <laughs> not, memorable not really for not maybe not a good idea no it was especially at wrestlemania like yeah. it was just jake like pointing around the ring yeah. and the crowd would go ah, when he was pointing at him so it was kind of ridiculous now with the model uh you know with with that kind of name you'd think you'd expect a high grade for look what do you got here i went 60 you know it's it's all just kind of you know i think i'm almost holding him to a higher standard because mm-hmm. his his whole gimmick was that he was the model mm-hmm. like he's kind of a wannabe razor ramon in in almost every way uh just not you know doesn't have the doesn't have necessarily the good looks that you would expect from a from a model. I no, mean, not like really like no. a good body, like better mm-hmm. body than than face, which is not not what you would uh, expect with that name. I got a sixty-five, but I'm with you. I mean, I guess you know with the model. Yeah, you mentioned nice, good body, <laughs> but the face was a little strange looking. I think I think <laughs> there's the a reason he wore, there's a reason he wore shades a lot. Yeah, the overall package though, I think was good. He had that kind of vest. Had the bottle of arrogance. By the way, that why was the arrogance bottle like in that weird container? I, I don't yeah, it was know. like a it's like a penis pump or something. Yeah. Like. <laughs> That's what it looked like. It was strange. Um, but yeah, the model like a, I got like a sixty tire like a tire pump. Yeah, like, like a basketball pump. I've never seen. <laughs> I've never seen cologne in anything like that. But uh, you know that was that was late nineties or late eighties, early nineties WWF for you. Entrance. This is another one where I have just five points ahead. You got a 50, I got a 55. I uh, liked, liked the theme music yeah. and liked him spraying the bottle, but it couldn't go no. couldn't go plus here. No. Um, you know, I, I don't see how it would have been much better. So I guess mm-hmm. that, that counts towards him. I mean, the, the song, like you said, works works for me all the way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just, just solid average. Yeah, it's – the model was – uh, I, I just have these fond memories of him coming down the aisle at WrestleMania in those like mini rings they had, mm-hmm. uh, and you know him spraying and you know, you know shunning the crowd, uh, being all cocky was was good, but it, you know he just didn't have the charisma to really uh, pull that off, and we'll be touching on that more because uh, that really factors it more into ring presence, command of the crowd. But signature move, uh, of course the the old standby, the Boston Crab. Uh, not a move that he invented by any means or was new to the scene by back then, but I still have a pretty high grade. How would, how would you grade this, this finisher finishing move? Uh, just a steady 50. Um, you know, he did a good job with it. I I feel like a better wrestler (laughs) might've gotten a higher grade for me on it, but, uh, Mm. yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fine move. Yeah. I, you know, Chris Jericho had a, a variation of the Boston crab, uh, Lion Tamer slash Walls of Jericho. That one I'd put probably at a 70. And the model was good. He would, you know, he'd lock it in. He'd kind of like wrench back and, and really kind of sell it himself. thought he did a decent job. I got a 60 on it. I think it's it's borderline plus, but I'll give it give him that. Command of the crowd, we both agree here, 50. Not a great stick man by any means, but he was a guy that had some pretty big feuds after he uh, you know went out loved, on his own. I would have loved to have 
had if if I had been like a wrestler at the same time and you were like and and they came to me and they were like who do you want to feud with I would have been like how about the model I'll feud with the model <laughs> yeah not only because you know you're gonna win the feud but also just just because you know he he did get a lot of good heat you know he was quintessential you know cocky arrogant guy uh, generated a fair amount of heat for what amounted to a mid card guy essentially so uh, ring presence though classic this is one where card guy <laughs> classic. Uh, probably more like opening ca- of the card. But. That's a, that's kind of how we should like kind of refer to our our stake league teams. Like we're we're opening card teams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're we're in the small question. small print on the poster. Yeah, I'm fighting Coco <laughs> Beware in the opening <laughs> match. Right now, ring presence. We differ here. Probably one of the bigger differences of any grades we've given. Uh, you got a fifty. Any specific reasons why? Uh, well, he. I think he held the AWA belt for quite a while. Um, he nice. had a big, you know, like I said, like solid, solid body, solid physique. Uh, so, I mean, he could kind of handle himself that way. I, I was probably a bit too high. I should have probably gone with a, with a fringe average grade there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I, not a guy who, I mean, his, the way he carried himself in the ring was not necessarily in line with maybe how you would imagine a guy that looked like that would carry himself. You know, this is one that I just had to think back, try to think, did the the model actually have any good matches that I can remember? And the answer, quite frankly, is no. <laughs> um, just not somebody I really, that stood out. I mean, he, you mentioned the AWA. He had the Intercontinental Championship for a while in the WWF. Had success, but it, just a guy who was in the ring and, you know, it was all before the bell. Once Between the bells, there was very little to get excited about. All right, I was I was too high on that. <laughs> well, let us know what you think. Uh, send us any any future wrestlers you want us to grade. We still have X Pac queued up, but again, uh, just not a lot good to say about X Pac. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. We'll be back with you next Thursday. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.